Hi everyone, and welcome back to How to College, our podcast where we get together with fellow first gents to discuss their journey to, through, and post-college. My name is Norma Torres, and welcome back to the show. On today's episode, we will have Blanca, who I've known now for about 10 years. Blanca is a fellow first gen, but also a parent. She has dedicated all of her life to helping other parents also explore the educational journey of their own first-gen students. Today, she will talk to us about some of her tips that she gives her parents, and she will weave in there her own personal story on how she was able to persevere when one of her sons did not want to go to college, and what strategies she implemented to change that. So let's get started. Hi, Blanca. How are you? Welcome to our show. Hi, Norma. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course. And Blanca, just for the audience, I have known you perhaps for the past 10 years when I was a student, a little 18-year-old, and you came on campus with a group of students. So to me, this feels like a full circle, but our audience does not know about you. So why don't we begin with just a little introduction of who you are? Okay, well, thank you, Norma. My name is Blanca Nelly Saldana, and I was born in Monterrey, Nuevo León, Mexico. My parents migrated to Houston in 1965 when uh, Dr. Kleinberg always says the gates were open, and, and so they did. And you know, I, I never really thought about how courageous that that was for my parents. Uh, they they did not know how to speak a single word of English. But then they dared to come to the U.S. Um, to give me a better life. It was difficult for them when they came to the U.S. and uh, not knowing the language. So I have been in nonprofit for the last 30 years. And I, I tell everyone that I fell in love with nonprofit because they're the ones that helped my parents when they had no connections here in the U.S. And they were able, through the YMCA, kind of connect with some friends, local friends. And and then little by little, uh, they were able to acclimate uh, to the U.S. For me, I have been a community developer and uh, director of family and community engagement and love strategic partnerships and have worked for amazing nonprofits. So that's a little bit about what I do for a living. Absolutely, Blanca. And I know that you are well known in the community for the impact that you and your organization have. But before we jump into that, I would love to hear a little bit more about your upbringing. So you mentioned your parents migrated to Houston. How old were you? And then tell me a little bit about your education. So what did your parents do back then? Where did you go to high school? And then what was that like applying to college? When my parents migrated to Houston, I was a year and a half. So in 1965, I was a year and a half. So I'm not telling you how old I am. <laughs> but, very uh, young. <laughs> <laughs> very young. And and my parents, they just attended school in middle school. So they really didn't understand the educational system here in the U.S. They moved in and lived in Denver Harbor, and they still live there. And I went to Elliott Elementary there in the neighborhood, and then I went to McReynolds Junior High. And then in high school, um, instead of going to Wheatley High School, I, I told mom and dad that I really wanted to go to a magnet school. And it was a brand new school. It was law enforcement and criminal justice high school. And they did not know about what 
magnet school was, but I, it really caught my attention. So I did my research and I told my parents that they would provide transportation, that even though I was not zoned to that area, to that school, that they would be able to pick me up at Scroggins. So I did. I was a, a graduate of the first graduating class of law enforcement and criminal justice high school in 1982. So that is incredible. I did not know that. I think this is really important and you sort of just glossed over it because I, I think it, it depicts a little bit of who you are, but you just, you just took the initiative and you said, I'm going to look for a different school. Tell me, where do you think you got that idea from? I think a lot of our first gens that actually go on to college and, and in many ways we pave our own path. There, there, there is an extra step that often we take that fundamentally changes the route of our lives. And we don't know it back then, but it sounds like this one thing you did obviously changed where you went to high school and maybe even changed where you ended up in college. But tell me a little bit more about how or where you got that idea. Yes, I, I remember, you know, when you're in junior high and, and ready to go to high school, it's it's a new world, right? And I was nervous and I had heard not too great things about my homeschool, which would have been Wheatley. And so that scared me because to me, I wanted not to fail as much as I could, right? And uh, have that power. So what I did was I made a phone call uh, to the district, to HISD, and asked about what other options I had? Did I have to stay in the school that I was zoned to? And if not, I was interested in this new uh, law enforcement and criminal justice high school. So when they told me that, no, that, that I had to, that I could attend, but I had to apply, it was, it was not a guarantee, but I felt as, as soon as they gave, they told me that you might have an opportunity to go. That was it for me. I said, okay, what do I need to do? Who do I need to talk to? And they were able to connect me with someone from the magnet program. And they explained to me, uh, you know, that I would have to fill an application and it was based on, on the number of availability uh, of spaces available at the school. And then I told them, look, my, you know, my dad works, my mom, we don't have another car. And then I found out that they would provide the transportation. I would have to just walk to Scroggins, which was a, a school, not in my neighborhood, but not too far from there. And, and then they would, you know, take me to the school. And an additional uh, fact that I found out was that in the junior, senior year, because it was a magnet school, that I would be able to work and bring in some money to help my parents and at the same time be able to work in the, in the law enforcement uh, or legal area to supplement my studies at, in, at the school. So I was really excited. It sounded like a perfect combination at that point, right? And it was aligned with what you wanted, a different type of opportunity, but also you were able to support your, your family as well, which is, it's, it's incredible. So then tell me, where do you end up in college and what was that experience like? Well, my road to college was not easy. Believe me, I valued the, the hardships and the opportunities. As I said, I graduated top 1%, top 1%, Norma. However, I did not have a counselor that said, Blanca, it's important that you sign up, you know, for your FAFSA and have you, you know, if you've you applied to take your SAT, nothing, nothing like that, Norma. And so I'm, I'm excited, graduating type 1%. I'm looking forward to future. And then when I go and talk to the principal and I said, when, when do we get to know which schools we're going to go to apply for? Uh, I had found out that it, it had, was too late. 
that uh, the students had already uh, taken the SAT and that it was too late for me. That is crazy. Top 1% and you get this crazy news. It's too late. And tell me, what, what are you feeling at that point? Devastated. I was always so proud of, of being a great student, making straight A's, working so hard and and believing, you know, that, that I was going to make a difference. And when I found that out, it, it devastated me and it it took a lot of me. So I, I, what I had to do was stop and say, okay, what do I need to do now? Where can I go? I am not going to waste my time. So luckily at that time, University of Houston downtown campus was an open admissions college. So I, I went to U of H downtown to find out if I could sign up without having taken the SAT. And of course they said yes. So, you know, instead of having scholarships for my <laughs> three point at that time it was 3.8, 3.9. Uh, you know, I applied for FAFSA and was able to get uh, some assistance, but I, I had to work. So I started working and going to school really most of my, my college uh, years because FAFSA was not enough and I had to help my parents, Norma, just like that's why I was in, in that high school because I had to help. And so it was not easy and many people give up. But I, I just couldn't give up. And it wasn't easy. So I, I worked and went to school part-time. I, that's where I transitioned. And I said, well, it's, it might be a long time for me to get my degree, but I'm not going to stop. Then luckily, when I was working for neighborhood centers, working at that time with Head Start, they said, Blanca, there's an opportunity. There's this grant through TSU. We'd like for you to participate, which would mean that they would pay all my tuition then be able to get a degree in business management or a business administration. And so I took it. So I was working full time, married, and then going to school. But I was able to get my degree at Texas Southern University at the Jesse H. Jones School of Business uh, with a bachelor's in business administration and minor in management. It, it took a long time, but I valued that degree like nothing else. I, I didn't care whether many of my friends were already graduates from, you know, law school and, and other universities. I was I was proud and I know my parents were. And and when I applied for that grant, that's when I found out about first generation. I did not I did not know what that was or how special because I believe me, I, I it is special because you change generations after when you go to school, you open the doors to the kids that come behind you, right? The siblings, the cousins, the primos that come behind you. It's a gateway. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just the beginning. So how long did it take you to graduate then? Because you mentioned your friends were already in business school. And then and then what kept you going? I mean, I, I think that I would I would have been a little discouraged, right? This is taking way too long. But there has there had to be something in you that believed in the a bigger vision, probably. Yes. It, my kids. I I had I got pregnant uh after I married my 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 ex-husband, <laughs> my son, Andrew, was born, and I I didn't want them to struggle as I did. I, I didn't want them to learn after the fact. And so I told myself I didn't care about working late and, and, and then with the kids. I just said I have to do it, and I have to do it for them, and uh, they'll, they'll learn from me. So yeah, so that's what I, I did. It took me about five years. So I graduated with my bachelor's. And then unfortunately, life happens, right? And I got divorced. So I was raising both Andrew and Alex. 
I had to work and, and take care of them. So my education stopped there. I, I never re- regretted it, but I had to think about the kids. So I switched my focus on me and dedicated the next, what, 18, 19 years to them. And to me, I always had that in my, in my the back of my head, Norma, that, that I would never, ever let my kids not know or lack the information to do something about their future. And so luckily I my my career led me through amazing nonprofits where I learned about education, economic development, financial literacy, but that education I always took it at, at face value and I always have and always will I used the information that I learned the hard way about, you know, applying for FAFSA, making sure that they take the SAT and ACT and starting in the ninth grade. No one told me about GPAs starting to tick at in the ninth grade. No one told me anything about that, right? And so over the years, everything that I've learned, I make sure that the parents know because it's the not knowing that really, really gives disadvantages to the underserved uh, communities. There's so much to unpack there. So so five years, Blanca, is not that much, actually. We call it the victory lap. I, I was imagining, I don't know, like seven, 10 uh, years. But it's really interesting that, that in, your, in your mind, you know, five years, because it was more than the traditional four felt like a long time to you, right? But that's actually really impressive. Five years working on the side, so congrats to that, first of all. And then second of all, it is so interesting that you mentioned the role that you now played in your children's education. And here's a little anecdote. I actually remember you because when your son came to do a program with us, you were there and you were like always asking me, well, what about this internship? And I have a son and I have this other son and they're interested in this and they're interested in that. And so I thought, wow. This mother is always thinking, how could I provide information and opportunities to my own children? Not only do you stop there, but then you say, how do I talk to other parents about this? So tell me a little bit about the work of of how, I don't know if it's with the Tejano Center or if it's with other nonprofits that you work with. What kind of work do you do with other parents? Currently, as Director of Family and Community Engagement, uh, one piece is the agency, the Hano Center has a charter school, K-12, through STEM-focused uh, here in Houston and Brownsville. And then we have the agency piece, the, the other nonprofit with different programs, adult education and all. In my role under the charter school, I think that's the love that I have as Director of Family and Community Engagement is that back in 2015, the, the department was created after President Obama's uh, FACE initiative, uh, national initiative occurred in, in back in 2015. And so I, I was very fortunate enough to lead this department and grow it. And one of the things that I told myself which was based on the the history that I told you about not knowing is that I I started I applied for grants that provided grants for uh, parent education one example is Padres Comprometidos with Unidos US formerly NCLR 
here at the Hano Center, I was uh, very fortunate to start the department. And one key element that I felt I had to focus on was on the education of parents to know the 101 of education here in the U.S. We have many parents coming from uh, all over the countries, uh, you know, uh, immigrants that are not familiar with the U.S. Uh, um, education system. So that was one piece that I, I needed to bring along was one, know the system, know what you need to do. And that was very critical for me for them to know. The other is when I, I would have them as a group and say, okay, so what does your child like to do? And, and you know, it's amazing because they're quiet. But once you ask them, what do your kids like to do? What would you like for them to, you know, be in the future? What have they said that they want to be in the future? Oh my goodness. They wake up and they start talking about their kids. And I said, right now, I know it sounds like it's crazy to think about your kids' education now, but now is the time. And now it's the time to learn about different programs, about when, you know, the education, when, when does the GPA start? What is a GPA? Why is it important? Uh, what's a, the difference between a community college, a private college, you know, university? So I brought that here. I, I decided to provide those courses, right, to, to the parents. And I love when I told them, I, you know, I would tell them, well, what does your child want to do? Oh, he quiere ser un ingeniero. Okay, well, then ha have you thought about putting pictures on the wall about engineers, buying them little toys uh, that they can build. And it kind of brought it a life to them. I also like to bring in organizations that talk about, you know, secondary education, what they need to, they can do now to support their kids before they even, before they leave high school and, and go into college. So I, I feel that that's important. Collaborations with universities like Rice and, and University of Houston so that they can go visit the universities and feel not intimidated by them. I love it when parents say, oh, esto está bonito, this is beautiful. And, and, and they want to see their kids there. And then sometimes they say, oh, I want to go back to school. And I said, absolutely, there is, it's never too late. And I always tell them my story and they say, really? And uh, so, yes, I always tell them it's never too late. I love the work that you do. And as you were talking, I was just smiling away and I wish you could see me because as you know, you know, my mom has a third grade education and I, I only imagine, you know, you talking to somebody like my mother who had all kind of dreams and aspirations. And I think the crazy thing is for a lot of, of these parents, they have given up their lives for us so that we can experience something different and we become essentially their success and their failure all at once. And so the work that you do is super critical and super important because you are 100% right. The college experience, the education experience has to be lived by both of them. So I always tell students on the other side, please don't forget to call your parents. Please get your parents to come visit you. Please bring them to Parents Weekend. Get them to experience this because the more they can actually live it and breathe it and smell it, the more they will understand who you are as you continue to change. So I absolutely love, love what you do. So let me ask you something out of curiosity. What is the biggest fear that you hear from parents as their children are headed off to a university? I can't afford it. I, I How am I, how are we going to help him uh, reach his dreams when we can barely afford, um, you know, to pay our rent, to buy food? They have that. The other is, and a big one, Norma, is I don't want my, my daughter or my son to be away from me because something's going to happen to them. You know, they're, they're going to be away from 
from the parent. And so that's another big, you know, they don't want them to leave Houston or they don't, they want them to stay here. And it, it is, it has been hard, but once I talk to them and say, you know, the way I, this is what I always use, Norma, they're very guarded and they say, no, I, I don't want to let go of my daughter. I don't know what's going to happen to her over there and bad influences. But when I've had the opportunity to sit with them and sometimes when, when in trainings is that I use the butterfly, you know, I always, uh, the, the, the logo I use for face, which is for family and community engagement is a hand that's holding a butterfly. And I tell them, I say, your kids are little, you know, in the cocoon that you take care of them for 18 years. You make sure you nourish them, you, you, you take care of them. But at one point, do you want to keep the hand uh, that that cocoon closed up and for it to die, or do you want it to grow as a butterfly and just beautiful colors and explore? And I usually and you know, I open my hands and 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 you know for them to envision the butterflies flying away. I said, don't be scared for your sake and, and put it on them. Allow them the opportunity of, that you never had. Didn't you ever wish that you wanted to travel all over the world or go to university? And and they said yes, Miss. And I said, well. This is your time because my dad, when I was getting good grades and I thought of leaving Houston and and traveling to another university in the East, my dad said, oh, no, 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 mijita, you are not going over there because you're you just want to go have fun and, and you're and I won't be able to take care of you. But because I grew up in a family that's very united and from Monterrey, right, and we listened to my my father when he said, no, you are not going. I I never questioned that. But now in retrospect, I always tell the parents, you question that. Why? You know, why, why do you not want them to leave? And they're scared. And then financially, they didn't know. They, you know, it's amazing. After their kids are about to graduate, they don't know about FAFSA. And, you know, the parents that I've met, that I I was not able to kind of uh, train, you know, the first few years, parents that just came in like the last year, they don't know, they didn't know about FAFSA and how that money is grant money. And what, what does grant money mean that you don't have to pay it back? And then they say, Oh my God, miss. I then, then my, my daughter can go. And I said, yes, yes. And, and your daughter did great work. She has a, you know, 4.0 average, you know, do you know that there's scholarships that she'll be able to get paid as, as long as the university accepts them? a full ride and things like that. And then, then they're like, oh, okay. But it's just lack of knowledge, Norma, and empowering them to know that to let go. But that's, that's working with them slowly. You can't just say one day at the next to a parent saying, okay, let them go. No, it takes that um, nurturing and, and respect and, and conversations during the, those critical nine through 12 years. And trust, right? Because they, yes. they have to trust that you won't guide them in the wrong direction. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. Trust, yes. Critical. Well, you are no stranger to letting your children fly, fly away. And I am sure that I heard the, the first couple of weeks and months and maybe even years. I forget what Alex is up to, but one of your sons now lives in the East Coast. And then tell me about your other son. Yes, uh, Alexander Salinas uh, is my youngest 
Alex had a different aunt with Andrew. Andrew had didn't have problems with his grades. He went to Baylor University and then went to uh, Washington and Lee Law School in Virginia. And he's currently working as an attorney in New York City, right? So he, you know, he always uh, had no problem with it, you know, with learning and smooth, right? It, it was just dándole ganas. But Alex was different. Alex, he had auditory receptive disorder when he was in, it was identified in junior high. And so Alex never loved to read, did not like to read at all. And so I really struggled with him because he felt, um, he didn't, he wasn't self-confident. He always, you know, threw books away when I would buy them books. He, oh, I don't want it. I don't like reading. And I struggled with that. I struggled with him not wanting to learn or do well at school. And so what I did was I, as a parent, you, you need to find something that that child likes. And I noticed that Alex loved to work on Legos. And I, I noticed that he loved to draw and paint. And like I said, lived with Legos. So then I said, you know what, which careers uh, use, you know, um, you know, Legos. And I said, ah, uh, architect, engineer. And I said, architect, you know, and so I started buying. I remember my my other son, Andrew, and my ex-husband said, oh, why are you spending so much money on, on the Legos? You know, the Star Wars uh, Lego sets that were crazy uh, expensive. But I, I saw that he would spend hours and hours dismantling it, putting it together. And, and he was just at peace. And then his drawings, he couldn't express himself very much when he was talking, but I, I could see through his work how he was feeling. So yes, it, when graduation was almost about, you know, I said, hey, Alex, what, what school are you going to? Oh, no, mom, I'm not going to school. I'm just going to get a job. I'm going to go with my friends. I'm going to take a year off and we'll see what happens. <laughs> to, uh, to me, yeah, like, like, I do this for a living. <laughs> no, what do I say to my other family? <laughs> yeah, so I said, no way. Okay, and I just, you know, let it go from one ear to the other. So meanwhile, while he was saying, no, 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 I'm not going to school, I, I started looking up at, at different types of colleges. And I knew that Alex had difficulty with reading. So I said, you know, is there any type of university or college that it's more hands-on, right, versus more, you know, going into history and English? And then I, I learned about TSTC, Texas State Technical College, uh, in Waco. And that was going to be close to Baylor where Andrew was. And so I look it up and I read it and, and I saw that the first two years, which is, is it's for an associate's degree, it was all hands-on. It was all going to be on drafting. So I said, you know what, this is it. So I ordered the brochures and the brochures came and I said, look, Alex, I know that, you know, you don't want to go to a big university, but look at this, you know, TSDC is our drafting because he took drafting. Thank God that I pushed him to take drafting in, in, in high school. So he had that, right? And, and he goes, ah, no, mom, I told you I'm not. So I kept on. So what I, what did I do? I, I don't know if I'm supposed to do this, but I, I, I filled out the application for him. And I said, I know that he's going to change his mind. So a week after the deadline, he comes to me and says, because I kept on saying, well, how are you going to live with your friends? Who's going to work? Who's going to pay for the rent? So anyway, a week later, he comes, he goes, mom, you know what? Uh, I don't think I'm going to be moving in with my friends. Uh, I think I might be interested in this TSTC. I said, well, great, son. I already applied for you. And uh, 
<laughs> he was like, "What?" And I said, "You'll be you'll be close to Andrew. You know, you'll both be awake. You know, Waco, and and you'll love it." So anyway, long story short, he attended, and while he was at TSTC, which is I said two year associate's degree, he he loved he loved it. It was not easy, but he went straight into the hands on, and I kept on saying, "Alex, when you finish your two years, what university are you going to go and get your bachelor's?" He goes, Mom, I am not going to get my bachelor's. I'm going to go and work. I'm like, okay. So I kept on saying, okay, so what, where are you going to go, you know, after, you know, you get your bachelor for architecture? No way, architecture. I can't even, you know, I really got here. And I said, okay. So anyway, he's he's graduating, you know, we're over there where I go. He graduated with an associate's degree in, in, in uh, architectural drafting. And then when we were there, after he got the diploma and we were having lunch, he goes, you know what, mom, I think I do want to go get my bachelor's. This wasn't that bad. And so he did. And he applied to University of Houston School of Architecture, the Gerald Hines School of Architecture, and he was accepted. And so, you know, so I was ecstatic, right? Andrew, uh, you know, following going to law school and then Alex uh, getting his bachelor's in the school of architecture, in, in, in architecture. And then Alex was almost done with school. And I said to myself, I, I was at a commencement and I saw my fellow colleagues with their master's capes and all. And I said, Blanca, why don't you have one? You're as smart as them. It's never too late. Why don't you go back to school? So after that commencement, I, I lo- went into, you know, the portal and looked up and I, I found that there was a master's program in nonprofit management at University of Houston downtown campus. And I said, why not? So I applied and got accepted. And so I, I went back to school. You know, I worked full time and then I did full time also my, my master's. And who would have thought <laughs> that both Alex and I would graduate on at the same time? I I graduated. Well, Alex graduated with his bachelor's in, in, in architecture and I graduated with my master's in nonprofit in May of 2012. And Alex is now working with Perry Holmes and happy. And I've I also accomplished, you know, got my master's. So yeah, it, that one was a little longer, but, and it was tough, but it was well worth it. And you just never give up, never give up. I got the chills there, Blanca. I can imagine what you're feeling, the the pride, the, oh, wow, we're doing this and we're doing it together, especially because of everything you had gone through with Alex, right? Like so many ups and downs, is he going to do it? Yes. How do you how do you turn around and look at your parents and say, I know I'm pushing this for you, but I might not have, have it figured out either at home. And so I, I can't imagine how proud and, and just how amazing the experience was. And, and just, I am... I am at awe at you and how you are so good at thinking about what is my child good at? Not necessarily how do I push my child to be a brainiac and to go to Harvard, right? But like, what does my child like to do? What will bring happiness to my child? What are their strengths? And for all the parents listening to us, which we do have quite a following of parents, I I hope that that is the key takeaway from your story. It is not just about can I push my child to get into the best schools because there's financial aid or because, you know, they're going to learn a lot, but rather how do I make sure my child is happy and and they have something that they're good at and that they feel proud doing? Because I think that that is the magic of your story. The magic of your story is not just, I did it. I'm a first gen. To me, your story is, I am a first gen 
I help other parents get first-gen students through college. And by the way, I'm vulnerable as well because I'm going through it as a parent. And I don't have it all figured out, but I am experimenting and I'm trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work because at the end of the day, that's all it is. It's an experiment and it might work or it might not. Correct. Love it. You know, I always encourage parents to know is, just never give up. Always just, you know, I know parents, maybe pe- parents that come from um, other countries, they feel that the teachers will be the best educators of their kids. But I, I, I disagree. The parent is the first teacher at home. And I believe that the best advocate that that child will have is its parents and cannot stress that enough. Your kids love you and they will listen. In middle school, they try to ignore you. But then in high school, they come back. And so between middle school and then going into high school, just keep trying, just love on them, uh, encourage them, buy them books if they like to read, buy them puzzles or Legos as, as Alex did. Find that little thing that they love to do and just and just keep on reinforcing it. And if they choose that, then that's great. And if they don't, then they don't. But just never stop trying to just be the 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 best, you know, the best parent that you can be. Because that love, 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 you know, they it's hard at school, competitions and, and, and classmates and sometimes bullies. But when they know that they're loved at home and supported, that that that's priceless. I think that is a beautiful ending to your episode. You have given us so much of your time and we really appreciate it. And I think that is the, the perfect closure. Love them at home, support them at home, be their number one advocate. And then the rest will have ups and downs. But at the end of the day, it might all work out. Yes. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Blanca, for being with us on this episode. And we wish you the best. And as always, we are here as a resource. Um, We also have some episodes in Spanish for parents. So feel free to check those out. Um, We try to have a wide variety of voices on the show. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Norma. Well, that's a wrap, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that Blanca's story was extremely inspiring to you of how she took a lack of knowledge and transformed it into her life's vision and mission of helping other parents navigate the very complex process of our education system. The part of the story that I enjoy the most was hearing how her and her son Alex graduated at the same time. She graduated with her master's and Alex graduated with his BA in architecture. This was extremely symbolic, as you all heard, that Alex, from the very, very beginning, did not want to go to college. But Blanca found what made him move. She found out what was his interest and his passion, and she helped to tailor his education accordingly. I hope that for all the parents out there that listen to us, this is a key takeaway, which is ensuring that your students, your children, are loving what they do. It's not necessarily about getting into the best schools or getting the best financial package, which obviously help, but It's about ensuring that they are enjoying the process. Thank you all once again for tuning in. Until next time.